Welcome everyone to the M. I was about to say the NBA podcast, the L7C podcast, NBA edition. Today we are reviewing the conference finals that just concluded this past Sunday and previewing the NBA finals that will start this Thursday. Man, we have finally reached the NBA finals. We have our basketball aficionado, Mr. Evan Debo. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing good, Martin. It's uh, NBA Finals time. Um, ready to rock and roll. It should be a good, good series, I think. Uh, Big East versus West matchup here. Yeah, and it seems like this was a matchup once we got to the semifinals that a lot of people were pushing that they want to see with the Warriors and the Celtics going head-to-head in the NBA Finals this Thursday. But let's talk about how we got here. First, do you want to start with the East or the Western Conference Finals? Um, let's start with let's start with the West. Okay. So we had the Golden State Warriors. They were taking on the Dallas Mavericks. Dallas surprised a lot of people getting to this point. Obviously, they took out the number one overall seed, the Phoenix Suns, and Golden State beat Memphis to get to this point. And we both had Golden State winning this but i'm gonna be honest i had the series going a little bit longer just because of the way luke and the Mavs were playing i had it going in seven but the warriors ended it in five evan they did um yeah we both had both had these teams i absolutely thought it'd be more competitive but i mean it just was just way too much way too much depth and versatile scoring from from the warriors um and yeah, they take they take it in five. I mean, I thought at least it I mean go six. I could could have seen it go seven just with how well they played the Suns, the Mavericks, you know, heading into this series. But um I mean I think there are a lot of things that stood out for me. Um, you know, again, I think they just had there were a lot of a lot of bodies thrown at a lot of bodies thrown at Luca. Um, you know, he still he still went off and had his throughout the series. I think they're able to clamp down on some of those other things. I mean, Luca just, I mean, from all the help he was getting in that previous series of Phoenix, you know, Reggie Bullock really was nothing this series. You know, Spencer Dinwiddie uh, had that good Phoenix closeout game and, you know, had some spurts here or there, but he wasn't the same. They just, a lot of those fringe players they depended on to, you know, provide, um, you know, some support and spell Luca some minutes here and there. Um, really struggled and then you know again they um you know I think they they struggled with again the emergence of Kevon Looney once again for yes. the Warriors too on the front quarters. I mean they just they just I mean Dallas didn't I, I absolutely on paper you'd say Dallas has the more size but I mean once you start getting into the the small ball stuff of the Warriors, you know, again like uh Powell's unplayable. Maxi Cleaver couldn't stay on the court. Like that was a huge problem. They desperately needed him um you know in some of those large size matchups but um you know credit the Warriors who've reinvented themselves I don't know two years ago we would have said hey this is a team that you know and they're not even having the the James Wiseman piece in here at all that this is a team that uh, was going to be NBA finals bound again in a couple of years I mean it's not it's not the Warriors team of old it, it it's it's a different Warriors team. Obviously, the three components are still there. Um, Clay had a really great series, um, especially in you know he was a game early with the game six Clay thing that when he you know went off in you know game five at home. But you know he's starting to find his rhythm a little bit more. There are a lot of questions obviously coming this year about uh, who's going to be having basically not played basketball in like the better part of three seasons. Like, um, but I mean he's. He's still a shot maker, um, and he's going to be conti- he's going to continue to be about making shots. So, I mean, it, I've just been impressed with what they've been able to do. I think, obviously, they're just so smart, they, especially off ball and how they attack you, and it's just death by a ton of paper cuts. You know, again, the Warriors could scheme all day for Luca and come up with the game plan, and that's a, that's the enigma of what makes the Warriors and this iteration of the Warriors so challenging. Is like. You know, there's not one guy I think you can go to any night. There's tons of guys you can go to that they are capable of beating us, but you never know who it's going to be. Like, it, it varies. It could be Clay this night. It could be Curry this night. It'll never be, like, I I don't feel like it's ever a, 
hey, there's two guys that just eat you. I feel like it's always one, and you never know which one. And as the game ebbs and flows, that becomes clear to Steve Kerr and the Warriors, and they they feed the hot hands. You know, between you add pool into the mix now too. So um, those are some of my takeaways. Martin, what about you? A lot of the same things, but I think also with the Warriors, like I personally felt like as long as they had the main three and the coach, they would still be up there in the West. But I, I don't think anyone could have anticipated, obviously, the emergence of Jordan Poole. We've talked about him every time that we've done these. And then Kaminga and and Looney, too. And it's kind of crazy, too. Like These Warriors aren't even in full strength. They don't even have Gary Porter Jr., um, Otto Porter. Like, there's still a lot. And Iguodala. Iguodala, and you already mentioned Wiseman. Like, they still have a lot of firepower, and not necessarily just the offensive, but like gritty, defensive, hustle play type firepower left that we say it all the time contracts pending. But if they can keep them together, depending on what they do this next two weeks or so. There's going to still be a contender for the next like three to five years. They will, Martin. Another name, another name that I've just been incredibly impressed with. This is going to sound taboo if you've been following along either to us or, but I mean, been watching the broadcast in and out outside of the pod. Um, the the love finally coming Andrew Wiggins way for how and Andrew Wiggins, you know, yeah. he was he was drafted he was drafted you know, by the Cavs and you know, the highlight of the Kevin Love deal, um, you know, and, and struggled to find his way in, in Minnesota there. And then, you know, the Warriors placed him into a system, you know, essentially replacing KD, you know, with him. Uh, and, I mean, he just – he's produced. He's bought into his role. He's not settling for those long twos anymore. He's really bought in defensively, Martin. So he's had – let me see here. One, two, three, four, five. Six of his last six games, he has three double doubles. So, like that's when people are looking at like how are the Warriors out rebounding, uh, like Memphis by twenty two, like or whatever that absurd number was in the final game. Um, and how are they continuing to crash the boards despite not having the size? Like Andrew Wiggins is one of them. Steph is a great rebounding guard for his his height. I mean, he's he'll routinely grab six seven plus boards, and you're like, how you look at that shit and go what? But Wiggins is eating the glass. He's not had less than five in the last seven games. Um, he's he's hitting timely shots. Uh, you know, back to game three in the series at Dallas, he dropped 27 points on 11 to 20 shooting with 11 boards. I mean, that was just an impressive performance. But he's doing it on both sides of the ball. Um, you know, I I heard an interesting on the the Simmons and Russillo podcast this morning. I heard an interesting thing I want to throw at you of like we can't dog LeBron for this because, you know, his, Hey, I got to win now stuff is produced, but like rewind a few years back. And I'm like, you know, if you have Andrew Wiggins, you know, and you hold on to him and don't trade him for, you know, love immediately and see how it goes. Like, I mean, he's not, I think it had worked out for all sides and stuff, but like you look back to like the assets the Cavs had and what the Warriors had like two years ago with, you know, again, having the number one pick with Wiseman and everything else. And like, Man, the Cavs had a lot of – that was the talking point on the podcast this morning of like, hey, like Cavs had a lot of assets to throw at things. But, you know, it's not like – it's not like uh, Maple Jordan here is, you know, less than um, in terms of, you know, what he brings to the table. Like it's taken a while and it's taken the right coach and the right team. But Steve has him firing on all cylinders. Um, and I've just been really, really impressed with – I mean, again, like it was a joke. I sent you the meme, I think, of – Again, like Kevin Durant out of the playoffs again. And the Warriors replaced Kevin Durant with Andrew Wiggins, and they're still humming along. Like, obviously, there's more to that, and it's got to be a year where, you know, LeBron and AD are down and so many different things in the West. Um, you know, all the Denver things we've talked about, Portland falling off. Like, it's got to have some things bounce their way. But, I mean, he's just been, he just been impressive to me, Martin. And it's not even the first time – Obviously, with the LeBron win now thing, because we brought it up and we didn't even mention another team like the Pelicans just look. I mean, they got to get rid of Brandon Ingram for AD and he is a hooper. So 
you put someone in the right situation, right coaching staff, right organization that believes in them, and they put the work in the offseason. And you could see how someone like a Wiggins or a Brandon Ingram and can blossom. It's just funny how they both had to be traded by GM LeBron. So, so Dallas goes home, obviously, you know, I think they can, they could use some, uh, they could use, you know, obviously continue to try to put resources around Luca, um, you know, who's still so, so young. Um, you know, obviously they with the Dinwiddie. Um, they've got, um, they've got some, uh, contract stuff to figure out with Brunson and how much he's in the command and, all those kinds of things too. But I mean, they're also a sneaky good with some of those guys. They're also a sneaky good trade team. I think for the next like unsettled star, like I think there's, I think there's potential for them to, um, you know, be a sneaky player for, uh, you know, some folks out there around the league, any names stand out to you, Martin, where you're like, I mean, let's, let's, uh, let's not get into like cap details, but because I mean, I, I think in this day and age with like, pick swaps and pick swaps the third and fourth team to take on salary that almost like, unless it's like you're trying to move Russell Westbrook's contract. Like I think most teams can like figure out the margin versus, Hey, 10 years ago, everybody's like, Oh, the numbers don't add up. We can't do this. I think teams are way more. Complete. So like, I don't have numbers in front of me or anything, but like, are there any names that stand out to you? Or you're like, eh, I could see them being a player this off season on X. Kind of funny too, as I pulled up the Dallas Mavericks roster and their salaries because we brought up Jalen Brunson because they're going to have to make a choice if they're going to give him all the money or what are they going to do? Because his family said he's not taking the discount. So I, th- mm. I do think that's going to be a big factor in Dallas's free agency because currently he's making uh, $1.8 million a year and he wants the 17 to 20 uh lucas still has- i think he'll get it i think he'll get it and then some i mean like that's the same range of cabs are trying to get colin sexton at right now and i mean like i think i mean brunson's had a heck i mean i don't know would you take let's do that brunson or colin sexton right now for say you got 18 million dollars to spend where are you going right now brunson just right now i mean nothing against colin it's just colin was hurt i i already know what i got yeah He's just, it's, it's a recency bias there. I'm kind of leaning Brunson too. And I really like Colin. Mm-hmm. Like he, he scored 24 points a game before last year. Yeah. yeah. So, so, I mean, some other, other teams around the league, like we've heard some weird stuff on like the Nets don't want to lock in Irving long-term. Like, could this be a Irving Luca thing? Like, I mean, I'm just getting crazy out there. More realistic things. Like, uh, um, I like, like there could be some sneaky stuff with Zach Levine. There could be some stuff with. I think. Oh gosh, I, I think Zach it, uh, is more like, is more logical. Jeremy Grant. Jeremy. Jeremy Grant with Detroit, I think, is you know signed the big deal and seeing hey, it ain't all worth you know sign the big money to go to a team and see what Blake Griffin did was he ponied up and you know agreed to the trade to go to Detroit and get out of L.A. and and it, the roses aren't always you know, as red as they could be on the other side kind of thing when the team's that bad, but I don't, I don't know, man. Like I'm seeing a bigger thing. Like what about, I know we've talked about these people legitimately. What about them trying to get Rudy Gobert or DeAndre Ayton? Cause we both think one of the jazz people, if not both are going to be out and DeAndre Ayton, the way they benched him in game se- um, seven, I, I just feel like he's going to be out. I feel like those, one of those two players, or Zach Levine, one of those three are going to end up in Dallas. But Dallas isn't known for really signing like bigger free agents throughout the years, though. They're not, but I mean, I think yeah, I think you're right. I think those are other two names to keep keep in mind. I think there's just I think there's a solid statement where you could see some serious movement, you know, with names of that caliber, right? Um, you know, I th- I keep hearing things about. Charlotte trying to get off the Gordon Hayward deal all of a sudden. Like, I don't know if Gordon Hayward, Gordon Hayward's not a move the needle type for Dallas, but I just want to say that's another name I could see moving around, um, you know, somewhere to fill a, like, I mean, I could see the, I could see the, you know, the Cavs being a player for, you know, taking on that contract. And I mean, they'd have to figure out some 
odd men stuff here and there, um, probably with their 14th pick. But like, there's enough of those players around. But I mean, they just they need a they need a second they need a second facilitator. And that, I mean, that could continue to be Brunson emerging, um, but that comes with paying the man. And then obviously too, you got to figure out, um, you know, what else you're going to add around because I mean, Brunson himself can't be what gets Luke over the top. I mean, I, I think you got to continue to try to draft well, continue to try to develop and, and scout players, international players, be contenders in the buyout market. Like, I think there's a lot of, a lot of possibilities there, but um, you know, again, they've, I would not be surprised if, you know, they're highly active trying to improve upon, you know, where they went in this series, Western conference finals, 23 year old superstar. Um, this is only the scratch of the surface. So Martin, you want to swing it East? Yeah. Let's swing it to the Eastern conference with the Boston Celtics and the Miami heat. So we go there, which that series, a lot of the games were blowouts. But then at the end, we got a Game 7, which lived up to the Game 7 hype. And Boston takes it four games to three, winning Game 7 in Miami. Evan, this series, I mean, it started off with blowout, blowout. Game 3 was close, blowout, blowout. Game 6 was closer, Game 7 down to the wire. What did you think of this series? I think we both had... Boston winning. We both had um, Boston and Golden State. I think our difference was just the amount of games it would take. But besides the blowouts, man, these last two games, I, I enjoyed this series. And, man, I started cheering for the Heat once it came to games six and seven. Yeah, we both had, we both had a Celtics here. I didn't see it going to seven and, like, down to the wire in seven. I mean, what a treat to see um, in that final game, it'd be close because you're right. I mean, it was just odd. And that's been the theme throughout these playoffs and a lot of other games, too, where it's just been like the 55-point Memphis blowout of the Warriors. Like, there's been so many options or like so many games you turn on, you're like, like, there's just like, I know the league, like, on any given night, you don't bring your A game, you can get smacked pretty good. But like, yes. these are also professionals at the height of, you know, the height of the game, like, in terms of the hierarchy of, you know, the level of competition, like we're talking conference semifinals and, and conference finals, like there shouldn't be that big a margin, you know, between these things, but you're right. I mean, it, it just is amazing to see. I mean, the heat came out and laid the smackdown game one, 118-107, and then Celtics came back 25 point win game three was close um, game four and a lot of blown leads in here too. So like there were times where a team was up at half and then like, um, you know, Heat would go on a Heat would go on a run. I think it was was that Game Three. I'd have to check the individual box score. Yeah, it was. It was let's see. Uh, they were up. Boston was up at half. Doing the quick math here. Uh, Forty. Nah, it wasn't Game Three. It was one of the one of the games where Boston had a halftime lead and then um, just came out and the uh, the Heat just poured it on them, but. I mean, so like there's there's that side of things, but there were so many games within it. The Heat just I didn't I didn't pick them to win, but I mean they they impressed the heck out of me, Martin. Like, um, and that was with you know Damage Goods and Tyler Hero, who was unable to play for most of the series and really had nothing to contribute in Game Seven. Kyle Lowry missed some uh, missed some time. I mean, like there were times where like holy crap, there's Kyle Lowry, and then there's the bad Kyle Lowry, right, where he's flopping all around the field or flopping around the floor, you know, over-exaggerating stuff, and then he'll do a full-court Kevin Love pass to force the issue on the Boston D. You know, I think part of this, part of the, the blowouts, I mean, there were a lot of guys that missed a lot of time in the series, right? Like, every night you didn't know if Time Lord was going to be able to play. You know, Marcus Smart was going to be able to play. Um, when we recorded last, I believe he was game one, and Horford and Smart were both out right. in Miami. So, I mean, like, there was – there was a lot of that game within the game and like matchup differences and stuff too. But I mean, the Celtics, Celtics did it. I mean, obviously they, they snuck it out in game seven, but it was just a great series. Like, you know, nonetheless of like, I don't think you did it. We knew while the margins were big individually, I think you knew that like, Hey, like every game was going to be, you don't, you didn't know who was going to come out throwing haymakers and came out throwing haymakers generally won. 
So, I mean, it, impressive series. I mean, Boston just from January on has been been the team. Like, I definitely get college football vibes from this. How many times do we see a team, like, take early season losses? The Celtics did a lot of those. Like, I had them, like, dead in the water. And then, you know, they find the rhythm at the right time. They they beat everybody who's in front of them, run the table, and, like, it's the team with momentum. Boston's been the team with momentum. They've had back-to-back game sevens, new coach with Ime Udoka, who's, you know, just pushing all the right buttons and getting the most out of his players. You know, I, I, I'm excited for, for this finals um, to see the, the Warriors in, in, uh, in Boston. But, um, you know, again, the continued emergence of Jason Tatum, like if ever you have got like a narrative to who was the up-and-comer who did what, well, that was Giannis last year. You know, Tatum is cementing, continuing to write his legacy now. Um, and how many times has Boston not run over the hurdle in the last four, five, six years? You go back to the 2018 East Finals with the Cavs. Um, you know, again, getting knocked out in the bubble by the Heat. Like, they've been so much on the – every once in a while you'll get those rumblings of it's time to break Brown and Tatum up. Is this going to be the year? I'll have to go back and listen to the podcast. We might have talked about that in the season prediction. He might have teased, hey, if this ain't this, if this ain't this year, you got to look at this. You can't be looking up, you know, if you're the Utah Jazz with Gobert and Mitchell and just like, hey, we're going to keep running the back. Like, at a certain point, like, it's broke, you got to fix it. But just impressive all the way around. I mean, I think, I think the Heat will continue to tweak things and evolve. Um, I think it's going to be tough. You know, I don't think Kyle Lowry's worth the money they, they got him for. I think he was helpful. I think he's a helpful locker room presence too, but, um, you know, shout out to them. Shout out to Jimmy Butler, who just had a heck of a playoff run. We talked about that last time, but, I mean, the guy just – game six to force it to go to seven – what was it, 47 points? Yeah, I, I have it up right now because that was one of the greatest surviving elimination games I've seen. And it's – obviously, everyone made the thing because game six, LeBron against the yeah. Boston, which was most, uh, one of – I one of his top five best games, but Jimmy shot 55% from the field, 50% from three, had 47 points, four steals, eight assists, nine rebounds. And that was in game six in Boston to push them to game seven. And then he also dropped the 35 in game seven and only did not play two minutes out of game six and game seven. He set out two minutes in game six, didn't sit out of game seven. If he had a little bit more help, I mean, they win this series. I guess I'm going to say right now, I have no issue with the shot Jimmy took in game yeah, I seven. I don't, I, I, I don't like he earned the right to take that shot. And let's just be honest, if it got to overtime, they were going to lose. Yeah, they were gassed. Both teams are gassed. I think that's another part, too, an underrated part of, you know, the, the competitiveness and the level of playoff basketball we're seeing is. Like you will, I think at times you will get blowouts because guys are so gassed. They're like, yep, folded in next game. Um, you know, I think it's, we saw that there were a couple of times where the Cavs whooped some butt in, you know, the back to back to back years of the Warriors where we'd come home and we'd dunk on them. Like, and then we got to Golden State and they'd dunk on us. Like, it just, just, yeah. I mean, I, Jimmy absolutely deserved that shot. I mean, I, I respect the, the heck out of him for, for taking that. I mean, that's, that's that Kobe mentality. That's that next level thing. But talk about a guy whose narrative has shifted a lot. I mean, like, it feels like it was yesterday we were doing the Rachel Nichols, like, weird scheduled interview after he ripped Wiggins in practice and called him soft and was, was dogging towns and forcing his way out of Minnesota. But, I mean, the emergence of you had this young pup on the Bulls team as an afterthought with, um, you know, Derrick Rose and everything else to – where he's at now, I mean, I, I mean, I think he, I mean, I hope he gets a ring at some point somewhere, you know, if it's with the Heat or not. But like, I, I mean, he's, he's definitely elevated. I think his his career trajectory with this playoff, like everybody's gonna remember. I think, oh, that was the Butler playoffs, like where he just went nuts. Like, it just if the Celtics do a legacy in the next few years, and like, there's like a. 20 years from now, like video on it, you know, they're going to say, yeah, 2022, you know, they had to face Jimmy Butler and, you know, everything else. Like that dude was just a bad, bad dude in a good way. Like his wallet, bad, you know what on it. It's interesting too, for the fact that the weird stat that 
the past three like champions have beaten Jimmy Butler. Like obviously the Lakers did, um, the Raptors, and then like the Bucks. And I really felt like Jimmy's stuff really changed when he got in Philadelphia. Because if he was still in Philadelphia right now, they would be in the finals. Like, but yeah, they, I mean, was, they made their choice. Yeah. They made their choice, which that was their choice. And obviously, that was kind of. Give me one to say there. Yeah. Oh yeah, and Joel Embiid was. He, you have your MVP. Um, past two years, second place, saying, "Man, Jimmy should have still been here." I don't know why they got rid of him. Like, open. also tweeting, Miami needs another star. Well, and he said that too, and I felt like that was more dig at Bama Bio than him saying he was going to go there. But speaking of that, another Utah Jazz person, Evan. Do we see a Donovan Mitchell going to Miami? You know, I'm not. It's tough. I don't know. I don't know if Miami. Like, I'd have to really look at how the Heat would do it. Like, I think there's enough teams with picks and swaps and uh, young up-and-comers that, like, I mean, Miami, I just don't know, has, I mean, let's just cross off players that aren't going to be in the trade and players players that effectively age out that the Jazz don't want. P.J. Tucker, Bam Adebayo, Jimmy Butler, like, all those folks fit those categories. Tyler Hero would have to be involved in the trade for sure. Future First would have to be involved in the trade for sure. I don't know if they would take a, you know, like as productive as Truth and, you know, they signed Robinson to a side of, uh, so that leads us to Thursday night. Yes, finally. Because I just went off on, hey, I, I just went off basically said, hey, Mitchell's got to go somewhere. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's a heat. I rattled off all the players. I think either aged out of like, the interest of Utah um, or, you know, again, I don't know that Robinson Strews provide enough value cobbled together with Tyler Hero and first to get that done. Like I think there's other teams that can offer competitively more. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. I don't know. This just one I thought of was like, Hey, um, well, there's going to be so much movement. And then you've got, then you've got the Thunder too sitting there with all these picks coming up, you know, I think that at some point they're going to be in the running for something somewhere. I agree. I, I agree. We're going to have to wait and see. Like I, we always say that the off season will be very interesting, but just for like where these contenders are going to try and make moves. Cause obviously Miami is like, we are one three pointer away from going to the NBA finals. So what can we do to improve? Especially with the Eastern Conference. Now, let's, we didn't talk. We did not talk about that last last piece on the series. So, again, Tatum Butler, uh, league of their own, phenomenal. Um, like they they elevated this series in their own career path, tremendous um, as a result of this. But so, like, I don't. Am I off base by saying I'm not? Totally convinced that angle they keep showing is definitively clear. His foot was out of bounds. I think it's gray enough that you have to call it. I don't think, yep, that's clear cut proof. His heel is off by an inch. Like, I think it's tough to tell on the angle. Like, maybe I've not seen all the right angles. Like, I'm like, I don't get what people are up in arms about. Yeah. I think, like, when I watched it, I was just like, I mean, they made their. Decision. It looked like he put his. I'm trying to recall. It looked like he put his heel down, and like he was catching the ball to fire as he was lifting it up. Like, and it was like it was like bang bang. Like he couldn't quite tell. Like by the time I think he he caught it and made an upward motion, his heel was rising off the baseline. But I think, I don't know. And then you got the discussion of like, was the other foot? clear enough or like was he established enough if he was out that he reestablished himself conversation because that's another piece of it too like and i know it's so bang i I just don't like if it's gray enough i i think you can't ignore that because imagine if it went in the other way like imagine if they count it and like you've got this footage now of like where's it still out of bounds like here's an idea like you got so much space and i know it's like a fast moving game but like move the corners in man 
Yeah, that's just like you got space. Like move those giant clod hopper shoes off the line. Like how many times do we we talk about we've talked about that in this spot all the time. That you know, especially too when you do the, the pump fake corner three and your first instinct is to stick your plant foot backwards yep. as, as you drive. Like it, just be mindful of where you're at. Like the, the corner three has completely changed the game of basketball. But like it also comes with you don't you're in a phone booth, man. Like you gotta be mindful where you're sticking those size fourteen shoes. Oh yeah. So I don't know. But nonetheless, we got NBA Finals starts Thursday night, Martin, between the Golden State Warriors who will host and the Boston Celtics. Um, I, I'm excited. Um, I think you know historically which way I'm going to root for of these two teams left. You know, but it's going to be good basketball nonetheless. Um, you know, can the good switchy long defense of Boston and the emergence of Jason Tatum? Uh, outlast the steady diet of shooters and offensive movement and i mean quite honestly like who beats that warriors crowd at home man yeah that's true it's still not the same like an oracle arena since they went to their new arena but it's still still once the warrior chants start going it's it's really hard to beat them it's really hard Boston is no treat to play in either, but I feel like, I don't know. I just feel like it's like more of like a, more of like a cheat code for Golden State than it is Boston. Like it's intimidating to be in Boston. I, I mean, those fans are ruthless. They'll tell you everything about your mother and everything else. Like if I'm putting on my thick Boston accent, but um, they'll say some not so nice things to you. Yeah. I mean, it, but that, that's collectively that Golden State crowd is something to, something to mess with. So, Martin, we've got, yeah, we got game one Thursday night. Um, who do you like in the series? What are some fascinating storylines for you? All the above. Well, I do like the Warriors in the series. I feel like every series I've said it could go seven, but this is another one where it could go seven. Boston's defense is really impressive. It's just, I don't know if they're going to have enough. Just seeing those blowouts with the Heat and seeing Jimmy do what he was doing against them. Now you got to – Marcus Smart has to obviously pick up Steph Curry like half court, and then you got Clay Thompson, you got Jordan Poole. Like you have all these different players. And then offensively on the Boston side, yeah, you think of Tatum, you think of Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart in a way too, but – when those threes from the Warriors start falling, I just don't see Boston being able to keep up with them unless they muddy the game. But from a storyline-wise, I think, besides the stuff that's already been said by the main media, me personally, whoever wins the third, third quarter each game is who I think is going to win that game. Because of the Warriors, which I've said since 2015, they could be down by 15 or 20 in the second quarter. And then after the third quarter, they're up by 10. Like, that is their quarter. They're the if you, they're the scary, no lead is ever safe with the Golden State Warriors, like no other team I've seen. So if Boston can hang with them in the third quarter, they have a shot. I just – right now I am leaning the Warriors. And obviously storylines with if Boston does win, this fully completes the ascent of a 24-year-old Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. If the Warriors do win, that's their fourth title together. Uh, and then potentially if Steph Curry and them win and he gets finals MVP, that's his first finals MVP. His trophy case is complete with four titles, a finals MVP, two MVPs. Like there's a lot riding for both sides. You obviously got Boston trying to catch up with LA in titles. So there's a lot historically for both, both teams, both coaches too are from the Greg Popovich tree. So you have that going as well. You see his influence on the league. He has two people coaching in the finals. There's a lot, man, storyline-wise. That's why it's going to be a very, very good series. How about you? Yeah, a lot of a lot of things. That's great on the Curry, the Curry trophy case thing. I mean, again, like, that's, that's going to be crazy. If that doesn't happen, that's going to be crazy to look back at Curry's career and be like, he was never finals MVP once out of three rings. 
like or at least um because i mean he he could well win obviously some more moving forward but um i think that's interesting i'm interested to see health as a topic for, as a topic in this so like i'm going to go the opposite way i'm going to pick the boston celtics to win the nba finals i i just don't know that golden state has seen a defensive juggernaut like this before and you know while they had prime play thompson with both ACLs and Kevin Durant and they could, you know, run through just about anything and everything. I just don't know if they've seen a team that can switch like this. I mean, Golden State, I think Al Horford, you know, somehow, it, you know, he's not a guy you want to be switched on to Curry, but if he's on the floor, I think, you know, he can at least contest. I mean, Curry's still going to hit ridiculous fadeaway, no-look stuff, but, like, that's not a guy I'm scared to death of if he gets switched on an individual matchup on an ISO. I think same thing with, with Rob Williams. I think same thing with Grant Williams. Like you got from Williams to Brown to Tatum to Time Lord um, to Marcus Smart. I think all these guys are just so talented in their individual defense. And then as a team too, I think that, you know, they, they can really clamp down. Um, and then offensively, you know, I think that, you know, when, when Looney's on the court, um, I think when, you know, at Curry, they're going to they're gonna do everything that they can with Brown and Tatum to switch on to Curry every chance they get um, on an offensive set to make Curry work defensively and just beat him down. So other talking points, you know, Steve Kerr adding to his, his coaching trophy case. It wasn't that long ago that, you know, Kerr was like, you know, do I go with my mentor, Phil Jackson, to the New York Knicks or do I go to Golden State? And here we are where he potentially could be looking at a fourth title. Um, and got storyline. Ime Udoka is a first-time coach, head coach. You know, is going winning two game sevens. I think he's the first-time head coach to win two game sevens in the playoff um, year, and then uh, going uh, on to the NBA Finals if he were to win in his first year. You know, just uh, and that's interesting about you know with um, you know Brad moving to the uh, the front office too. Like that guy's got to feel like crap. If I'd stayed on one more year, could we have done this? I don't know if they would respond to the way they respond to email. And that's why you do coaching changes to see, you know, just how you can shuffle the deck to an extent. But uh, Martin over under how many combined texts for Marcus Smart and Draymond Green in the series? Six. Six. Yep. Six. How many, fl- how many flagrants? Two. Draymond's good for at least one a series. Come on. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to give it two. I'll each get one, one flagrant. I'll get. I'll give it to as well. Like it just interesting. I think I've heard some rumblings like Peyton. I think should be able to play in the series. I think it'll be close. Read that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, we'll see. Obviously, I mean, health is going to have a lot to say in who wins the series. I mean, like Smart's been banged up. Um, you know, Time Lord's been banged up with his knee. Like on the Celtics side of things, obviously they're down Peyton on Golden State side. Iguodala hasn't played. Um, you know, there's a, there's a lot of extra layers and wrinkles to this, too. Again, I do think it's fascinating that, you know, you have, like, you swap out KD, essentially, and you know, the Warriors are still humming along. I mean, they're just a great system. They're a great franchise. Um, as much as I want to dog them that, you know, we went to war with them for how many years and only walked out with one title um, to Cleveland. But, uh, you know, again, like, I if I'm the cows like I'd lo- if I could rearrange the money somehow I'd love to like in the next couple of years or something go after an Andrew Wiggins and bring him back you know to play for us officially I just think he's done such a great job this year you know, on the defensive side of the ball fitting into the team not having to be this big score first wing that everybody built him to be when he came in the league but there's so many so many moving pieces here um, you know I'm. Yeah, I, I just it, I look forward to a great series of the defensive Boston um, and you know the offensive everything of the Golden State system, Martin. I think it's going to be a good six or seven. And that's that's going to be going to be exciting. Like we got to end this year with a bang, a lot of history for both teams on the line, and no other way that we would want to end the NBA the NBA season. So I do know some people do talk about, though, I think we've talked about this during the bubble, 
the start times for the games. Do we wish they could start at like eight o'clock? Because I'm assuming all the finals games are going to be starting at nine. Yeah, West Coast. And I get like for the West Coast crowd and stuff, but like, I mean, East Coast, I mean, again, outside of the Pacific time zone, like you got 75% of like America, like not, you know, where that's late for them. So, I mean, I, I struggle with that. Like I legitimately struggle staying up watching a, the second half of a basketball game. Like if I can make it through the first half, how many times, how many times between you and I, I'll go, I'll fall asleep unintentionally in the third quarter. And I wake up and respond to you like 2 a.m. when I see that you were able to stay up. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, man, like I can't believe I missed it. Can't believe I missed that ending. Can't believe I missed that before or this or that. Like it's tough. But you're right. I think that it, I think it hurts viewership. I think it hurts, you know, finances when you can't have viewers to go back to marketing uh, folks and say, hey, like here's how many eyeballs saw this ad. Like across the board, like I end I, too. I mean, I think there's a way to to split this up where. I don't know. I just think there's a way to split this up or somehow stretch out, stretch out the series. Like I think it'd be tactful in having. So we're gonna have game one on Thursday, game two is projected Saturday, right? Yeah. Like I think there's, I yeah, I think I mean somehow I think there's a strategic way. Like even if it's bumping back and making use of like Memorial Day weekend, mm-hmm. and like if you were to bump back the entire season schedule and like have it like say like hey game one of the finals will start on saturday and you get that second game in on like memorial day monday when most everybody's off you can have those two games in prime time at like five o'clock like people are off work for the most you know what i mean like i do have the schedule up for you though yeah so thursday it's nine o'clock game two is sunday at eight o'clock then game three is wednesday there's no reason for that to be eight o'clock on a Sunday night. No, I think you can make that earlier. You could. Then Wednesday, June eighth is nine. Then Friday, June tenth is nine, and then game five if necessary. And those are East Coast games. Like they're comping for the West Coast, who shouldn't have to watch a game. I get it at four o'clock, but like if you make it seven thirty, like I, I don't know. Like I think that helps a little bit, but just why nine o'clock on the East Coast? Especially since the games won't even start till like nine twenty. Oh yeah, there's the I what what was it was it game seven? Yeah, game seven. I was sitting around watching. I'm like, I know this drill. It'll be I'll tune in maybe eleven minutes after, and it was every bit of twenty minutes after the start time. Like that's the thing that just it's um, I think you're hurting yourself, NBA. Fix this, fix the scheduling, God. Evan, anything else? Um, some quick hits here on, on scheduling. I've heard there's been serious movement on putting in in the next CBA that big old cash cow of a uh, in, uh, mid-season, tur- mid-season or beginning of the season tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how details emerge with that. Um, you know, I think we're starting to hear rumbling. We're going to hear very quick during this finals. There's going to be some player movement chatter, more coaching chatter. Um, you know, some other odds and ends. The Lakers have uh, have hired their man from uh, from Milwaukee. So we'll see how we'll see how that goes. There's other um, you know, again, I think Dust has settled on some coaching uh things around the league too. Um the rumors surfaced again this week that hey, the NBA is looking hard at expanding a team back to Seattle and um also bring a team to Vegas. I absolutely think that happens within the next four years at, on the latest of the time frames that we leaked your announcement. I think we're, I think we're moving back towards that. Martin, what are you, I, I think we'd be remiss not to talk about Steve Kerr's comments this week. Um, what, what stood out to you um, on the wake of yet another horrific uh, school tragedy um, with the death of death of 20 plus kids um, in an elementary school in Texas? Um, and essentially, if you guys aren't familiar, I'm sure you are that, you know, Steve Kerr yielded his comments to basically, you know, this is painting it lightly, but, you know, saying, hey, I'm like, our team's gonna be fine. We got a game plan. We watch film like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, we need to talk about like some serious stuff going on in the world right now. Like, Mark, just what, what were your thoughts kind of watching the clips of that press conference and again, using 
you know, I think times like I, I always get frustrated when people use their quote unquote platform to push X, Y, or Z. But I mean, to me, this just felt very appropriate, like on the eve of some serious traumatic stuff for the country. And, you know, for, and I work my day job listeners, I work in education, like, um, you know, it's, it's one of those things that, you know, everybody feels that I, I use, I likened it to, you know, if you, if you work in aviation and, you know, like a plane goes down, like it's, it, when you have that level of, of mass casualties, like your industry is affected, you feel it. Like everybody sends their kids to school the next morning, everybody's hopping on a flight somewhere the next day. Like it's, it's similar but in, in the horrificness of it, but I, Martin, just thoughts on how, how Steve Kerr just, you know, took the time to address it. You know, he's, he's done this throughout his career. Um, I think a lot of that comes to, you know, losing his, his father, you know, again, and, and you see having him as a mentor to champion change, um, you know, in his international work. I think, you know, that's there's just a lot of who Steve Kerr is because of his dad in there and, you know, the values he holds and to, use his position as a coach to say, you know what, yep, we've got the game plan, but we're going to, we're going to address the nation here. Martin, what are your thoughts? Uh, before I give my thoughts on that, since we are going to be talking about this for a little bit, I do also want to say the teacher that passed away, Ama, she is actually the mother of Jose Garcia. And the reason I'm bringing that up is because Jose Garcia is in the same fraternity that myself and Cedric, who is on the L7C podcast, is on as well. So we're definitely sending our, and obviously his then father died of a broken heart since his wife was killed. He died of a heart attack or so 24 hours after that. So definitely had to share since we were bringing it up, since he is a brother to me in our fraternity. So I had to bring that up and condolences to the family. Um, in terms of Steve Kirk, as most people don't know that his dad was basically assassinated. He was killed. If you didn't see the last dance on how like they asked if he and Michael bonded because both their fathers were killed. I think it, it definitely was appropriate. I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't expecting it, but I was expecting it because just because the way he is and i mean he's right he's right in the fact that we're at this point now and specifically his dad yeah his dad died of of gun violence specifically yeah we're at this point now where i saw the stat the people who survived columbine have kids now and that was really like the first big shooting thing and to think how far from a negative standpoint we've come with that but he's right i mean there has to be some sort of coming together from both both parties because i think that's the issue with the cut and didn't think i'd be going i think that's the issue with the country at the point where we get to we make it party issues we get into our camp and it's not a people issue and this country was founded on doing what's best for the people and we've really lost side of that in the past couple of years so i don't know what it's going to take i don't know what type of leader it's going to take to sit both sides down like look man republican democrat green party independent we're all parents we're all grandparents our kids go to school too this could happen to our kids this could happen to our nieces nephews we got to figure something out and work something because it's like he said we definitely can't get numb to it because these are kids man like these are people who aren't even making out of like first grade having to worry about uh, yeah. their school getting shot. But it's also a point too. It's like with parents, obviously parents had to go through so much with COVID and like helping like basically be quasi teachers for their kids when they were at home and they were at home. And now it's just like in this new era, do you even want to send your kids to school? Do you want to just homeschool them? Or I've even seen from the fact is like, I don't even, some people are saying they don't even want to have kids because of a fear of, oh, I'm sending them to school. This could be the last time I see them. So he's right on the fact that we need to make change. I And uh, it was applauded mostly, generally. I think the only thing I had yeah. an issue with, not really uh, because I'm a, I'm a fair person. So 
even though I'm, I'm sorry if people are a fan of his, but I mean, I'm not really a Mitch McConnell fan by any means, but I think with Kurt only calling him out, I felt like that was the only thing I would have critiqued if I was a critique person, because it's both sides that are that's messing this up that we're not getting something done. So that'd be the only thing I would have. Yeah, I think it. I would have just called yeah, out everybody. Yeah, you're right there. I I'd immediately I'd immediately thought about that, but you know, again, I think that I come from the camp of, and for ninety nine percent of his comments, with the exception of that, like if you're going to find one thing, like is you know an ad hominem attack of you know pulling out an individual name, and like it, I think the way you win arguments is with better arguments, and I think that that watered down a hair what he had to say. But you know, again, for a guy who's endured so much, has experienced the grief and the pain firsthand of losing a parent like that, that, you know, on the inverse, I think he can, he is absolutely one to empathize. And, you know, I'm always a, you know, too, I, I, I hate when players come at us and like, you know, don't, don't comment on our, our, you know, personal lives or, you know, whatever, or what have you. But like at the same hand, they talk out of both ends of their mouth and say, you know, again, like, you know, I, I want to, you know, speak up for, for this X, Y, Z, what have you. And uh, yeah, it's just it, I, I just applaud Steve. I think this is very I think it was very appropriate for Steve to do to say, hey, um, there's more things important in this world than basketball, and clearly another unfortunate harrowing reminder of that. But I think we got to find consensus, you know, across the board on on a lot of different areas if we're gonna, um, you know, resolve this issue and and remove the anxiety and not become numb to these things and um, to make progress across the board. We can't we can't be in in camps. We have to care about humans at the end of the day, you know, across the board. I think we have to listen. I think we have to be empathetic to what the other sides are saying. Um, and we can't just close the door and say, hey, this is my belief system. It is what it is. And it's easy to be, you know, but have a position when you're away from it, when you're moved from it, right? Like, um, you know, look at the Ukraine war right now. Before wars were played out, we heard about them in the newspaper. Now we're seeing it in real time. I think you know, that's brought a level of reality to things that we've never seen before, um, you know, in, in trying to process some tough stuff, you know, that we're seeing. But the only other comment I'd say is I think we have, and I'm, I'm glad I haven't seen it. I haven't done, I haven't dug into this a lot, Martin, but I think also, like, I think we're seeing it more, but the media has a huge role to play in here. Is like, I just think there should be some universal, like, law passed with media outlets of like don't air the person's name like because i think yes. that's when it becomes polarized when you talk about it in the media you know if there's people on the fringe you know of of i mean whatever you know manic episode leads somebody to do something that awful that you know that incentivizes hey like i'll be famous out of this or i have a book out of this or like when i'm gone they'll whatever like it helps, I think, plant the seed and perpetuate it and make it look like you're a movie star. Like you're, I mean, back in the day, like Bonnie and Clyde, they were mega stars. Like when they're going around, um, you know, on their killing and, and uh, robbery sprees and stuff like that across Indiana. Like, like, I think there's a level of polarization there that ethically we have to be responsible for and keep the person's name out and, and not, not give them what they were looking for. Um, you know, I think that's, I think that's another level to it, but it's a complex issue. I applaud Steve for, you know, again, we all get caught up. We've got a freaking podcast about basketball, but there's, and we love basketball, but um, you know, I think too, that there's, there's a time to remind ourselves and, you know, have somebody like Steve Kerr be dad for America and be like, Hey, like basketball is cool and all, but like, it's not the most important thing in this world. And to that same token, what I love about basketball is for all the tough things going on in the world is, Hey, for four quarters, I can get my mind off, off of some, some things like that. And it can be a relief um, of sorts to, you know, again, get away from the constant news um, cycles of, you know, bringing crazy things to our doorstep every day and bring to the anxiety you're talking about with parents and everything else. But um that was a long that was a long curtail i just it, that was think, something of note i just it, i i thought it was very appropriate by kerr you know right wrong and different just to you know again use that opportunity to say hey basketball's cool but um we'll be fine but you know here's what's not fine so yeah man i mean he's 
think he – no, because Popovich is still in the league. I was going to say he's the coach with the most rings right now and one of the most recognizable franchises in the NBA right now. Obviously, he's he's played with greats. He's coached greats, and he's been passionate about people. And when it – like I've already said, man, like I, I can understand where two sides might have differing opinions on how we spend – the country's budget, that's fine. But when it comes to protecting kids at school, that def, that should never be a party issue. That has to be a United States of America issue. There's a reason United is, in, is right before states, and that's the first word we say when we talk about America. So, But on a lighter, lighter note, the only quick bits I wanted to say were today was the anniversary since it, we do like the calves and do like LeBron today is the anniversary of the 29 out of the last 30 25 straight in the game five double OT against the Pistons where LeBron just around 22 took that Cavs team to the finals and lost the Spurs and it's also the same anniversary of the 51 8 and 8 game where the J.R. Smith meme was created against the Warriors just on a just to end on a lighter note LeBron, LeBron, LeBron. Um, two unbelievable performances. Um, there's a lot of things that pop out in my career. Those are definitely towards the top. Like, I remember early on his first 50-point game was on the road against uh, – I'll have to double-check myself after. It was on the road against the Raptors. I think he dropped 56. 56. Um, playing, against, playing against Vince Carter. And, uh, you know, again, I think nothing will beat that. Those two superhuman performances. Again, like, I mean, even if the Cavs won that game, the J.R. Smith game, like, they weren't winning the series against the superhuman Durant team. Like, that that might be the best team of all time. Like, you're just, it was just a freak show um, in terms of athletic skill. But, um, you know, again, that Pistons performance, like, I just, I still can't believe what he was able to do with the group he had with them um, and against, you know, a phenomenal Detroit Pistons team defensively. I mean, the the no regard dunk the I mean what he was able to do against uh, their post players of you know Ben and Rashid and Antonio McDice it just it, impressive and I mean it's not like Billups and um, Rip Hamilton were necessarily you know um, matadors saying hey run right by me either um, and plus too he had Tayshawn Prince in his prime on him every night like of that series like it just absolutely amazing i i'll never see anything like that again um yes a great way to end the pod martin on on two positive notes and in cabs lore that will go down um forever and we will be back to review the nba finals and we also depending on when evan wants to do us we will actually do a podcast just strictly on the Cavs and how they um ended the season obviously we'll talk about the expectations that they had at the beginning how we exceeded those expectations. An off-season avalanche. Yeah, so we will have that uh, coming to you guys soon. Be on the lookout for that. But again, NBA Finals start this Thursday. Let's finish the year strong. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the L7C Podcast. Signing out.
Thank you for listening to this episode of the L7C Podcast. Be sure to like, rate, review, and subscribe to the channel. Follow us on all social media platforms, and we'll be talking to you guys soon. Take care.